You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next. Save it for the air. Yeah, yeah, save it. Hello, 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 hello. Happy Friday. Welcome to Black Hollywood Live next. We just learned a new word today, Chillingtons, but we'll get into that. I'm very excited. Shout out to TJ. <laughs> I'm your host, Jessica King, also the producer of... Oh, my headphones are falling off, sorry. Also the producer of Fox's hit show, Dish Nation. Check it out. And I'm joined by comedian extraordinaire, Nick Purdue. Hello. Hello. That's that's all the British I can do. That's it. Just hello. <laughs> Take the H off it. That's it. That's all I got. We have a very amazing special guest today who is teaching us some new vocabulary words. Please welcome Amel Amin. Woo! What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? What's up? Thanks w- for joining try us. Try Wagwan or something like that because that's more like... Wagwan? Yeah, Wagwan. Or like what's going on? Those kind of ones, they're kind of more up to date. Like the kids, if you want to be down with so the So I can't say okay. hello? Like that's... that's is that yeah, you can go, hello, mate. You're right. That's one version of it. But you can do like different variations that kind of... If you go to London, they'll be like, oh my God, you know our culture. Oh my God. Wagwan? We love you, Nick. Like, yeah, Wagwan. What's going on? Wagwan. Oh. It's like, it's that like, sounds like Jamaican. There's a Jamaican patois to it, but yeah. we kind of took it a long time ago. Wagwan. And people at, actually at home would actually say to me, that's a bit dated about, but I'm getting old now, so I don't really know what they're actually saying. <laughs> Well, they're saying, See? hey, how are you? Like, that's what they're saying in England. Like, hey, how are you? You have to teach us a new word, like, every 10 minutes okay. in this interview. Okay? <laughs> that's easy for me. I've got so, a bunch I'm going to have, I have Wagwan, Wagwan and Chillington's. Perfect. Yeah. Two for two. Right now. <laughs> um, so, what were you saying about the commercial? Oh, right. So, when I was looking up, um, you know, Black Hollywood Live, I saw... Um, a childhood favorite thing for me was, which was the Nicholas Brothers mm. uh, in the commercial, and I was mm-hmm. like, I really liked that 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 was there. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about the Nicholas Brothers who were around, uh, like Stormy Weather, and uh, mm-hmm. what else did they do? They did a lot of different things, and they considered the greatest tap dancers of all time. Mm. And when I was young, I did a lot of renditions of their uh, dance and stuff because I drew, grew up in like musical theater and went on tours doing their dance uh, in Stormy Weather, and so. That was that caught big, your eye. Yeah, it's a big appeal to me. We're keeping it real here at Black Hollywood. Live. It's the it. little <laughs> thing. It's the little thing. <laughs> nuances. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get started. Like we said, we're we're gonna take you way back. We back have, into time. We're gonna have a fun little hour with you. Wicked. So obviously, you are British. Uh, you grew up in England, and you've been acting since you were six years old. Yes. Tell us how you got started in the industry. Well. um... I, I, my mom and dad uh, kind of in, in entertainment. Uh, my dad was in um, a group in the Caribbean. He's from St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. And so he was in a group that traveled. Uh, they used to open up acts for like, the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. So I had that in my blood. And when my dad eventually moved to England and he met my mom on a summer day and uh, the wine was right. And I was born <laughs> later on. Um, I, um, it was just in my blood from, like, from early. Like me and my brother and sisters would do... Uh, we grew up on a lot of old school films, and uh, like from my mum, I grew up on films like the James Cagney, James Stewart movies, mm. Mickey Rooney movies, all of that. And for my dad, the musical talent. So we kind of um, 
uh, we grew up just kind of doing renditions of that all the time. And when I was six years old, um, I used to run around pretending to be Lionel from the Thundercats. Remember Thundercats? <laughs> <laughs> they need to do a Thundercats, movie. Thundercats, yeah. oh man. So I used to run around doing that. And that between that and uh, Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone, I ran up to my dad and mum and I was like, Dad, 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 I want to I wanna be an actor. He's like, are you sure, son? I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to be an actor. And so they sent me to stage school um, for about 10 years uh, where I did, you know, uh, different stuff, musical theatre, uh, uh, West End theatre, um, TV, worked with Michael Jackson when I was 11 and mm-hmm. all these different times. So I've been in it from basic conception. I know little else. So you caught the acting bug right away? Just the entertainment bug was in my DNA, mm-hmm. literally. You know, when you're six years old, what do you really know? So there must have been some sort sure. of instinctual thing. And I've stuck to it, you know, 20 years later. So it's, uh, it's you know, Meant that's to be. the beginning of yeah. my story. That's cool. Now, let's, let's talk about this uh, Michael Jackson encounter. Right, so you insinuating I love Mike, man. <laughs> but no, you were you were eleven. So this was uh, in in ninety six, right? Because it was yeah. for an award show. You performed with yeah. Michael Jackson. Yeah, on so stage. It, was the, it was the Brit Awards nineteen ninety six, and uh, there was this big audition that took place before. And if you want me to tell you the story, this big audition took place, and uh, I was one of probably about two three thousand auditionees. Wow like just there in a room and they were just picking different people. And I remember going, God, please, if you give me this, I'll never ask you anything again. And I lied. So I've asked you <laughs> but, uh, and then I remember getting the job and before Michael Jackson comes in, there's this guy that comes in. He's like, all right, everybody, don't look at Michael. Don't speak to Michael unless he speaks to you. Nobody look at Michael. Uh, just, just don't talk to Michael. And then mm. this door opens up. This guy comes walking in in his white robe and stuff, and it's Michael Jackson within, within the midst of this crowd. And um, I, you can go on YouTube and actually see it. I play this kid uh, in the Earth song, and I've got this turban on my head. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was stood next to Michael throughout the performance. And I remember Michael, um, when we was rehearsing, leaning, looking over to me, and he's like, hey, how you doing? And he's got this deep voice. So let me put that on record he didn't have this high voice he had this <laughs> deep voice he makes it higher i think so, or listen i you know i'm not his brother or anything but i think something somewhere along the line that was a part of his character <laughs> and um I, basically i remember him saying hey how you doing I'm michael and i'm like you know i know and then i, I looked at him saying i'm a male and it was a great experience i wish the only thing i wish about it is i wish i was older so i could have taken it in more yeah but you know it was a great experience and then this donut called jarvis crocker who's in this uh Donuts one. We say donut a lot. Donut? Yeah, donuts are this. Noted. Like, donut. Um, <laughs> um, this donut called Jarvis Cocker from Pulp uh, yeah. came on stage and, uh, you know, made a mockery of Michael and he had bottles thrown at him and all this stuff and kids were getting hit with bottles and, you know, guys in red Indian outfits were running after him and, you know. So, yeah, that was the kind of scope of the experience with Michael Jackson at, at that time. And the second regret is that I didn't get hit with something and get taken to Brent Cross. Everyone in London knows what Brent Cross is. And got a PlayStation because anyone that got hit with a bottle or got hurt, got Michael took them to uh, <laughs> Hamleys and Brent Cross and splashed out loads of cash on them. So I would have taken the hit for the Oh, my gosh. You're like, I should have jumped in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just wish you a pushed the kid was... out the way and yeah. then you took the bottle. <laughs> yeah. right? <It> was... <laughs> Michael, I saved him. You know? But yeah, that's that's my Michael Jackson story, and I, I, it's one that I kind of hold dear. You know, so mm. I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, you don't realize how important it is there. I, I, obviously, as a child, you know who Michael Jackson is, but getting old and you know who he is and who he was to the world and him passing and his legacy and his contribution to humanity and and 
just music, a real genius. It's it's nice to be able to say that you know when I was a kid, I was you know rubbing shoulders with Michael Jackson in that performance sense. Yeah, and he talked to you. Yeah, yeah, even so towards a secret cooler. handshake. Yeah, so towards a secret handshake. The secret handshake. Yeah, yeah. Can, well, it's not you, secret you, anymore, right? Well, you know, I can't show you. I mean, Come I can't on. show you. That's why I've had all these blessings in my career. I, you know, he's told me, keep this handshake, and it's going to be all good. So then you just do the handshake to yourself because you can't tell anyone? I, no, I know. There's a couple of people, like three or four people <laughs> that are still living around in London. So that is that show. how you close meetings? You close meetings with a secret <laughs> handshake, and then, okay, there's a green light to the project. It's, it's, it does, it's not a handshake. It's actually like a dance thing. But, I, you know, I'll show you guys off air, and then you guys' career will go on to, like, great heights. There we go. Okay. It's a secret We're going to hold you to that. Where? I will. Because I need that luck yeah. to pass through me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so your uh, first lead role was in a film called Kidulthood. Yes. And uh, you also had a main role on The Bill. Yes. So basically, Kidulthood was released in 2006, and then you started your two-year stint on The Bill mm-hmm. um, as well that year. Yeah. Was that like a crazy year for you? That, um, two th- basically, in two- we shot Kidulthood, shout out to everyone from that film. Uh, we shot that in 2004. It didn't come out, you know, for like about a year and a half, well, two years. Mm. And uh, I got a role in this police drama, which is like the, you know, it was a, it was a show that lasted 25 years, one of the yeah. biggest police dramas from our country, or if not the biggest, right, like at the time. And um, yeah, it was it was a crazy time because I, you know, this I, you know, much like in anybody's career, you don't know the timing or when things are going to happen and. All of that, and that's one of those times that the stars were coming together, and um, I was—you could watch me on TV on Thursdays and Wednesdays, and mm. go and see me in the cinema at that time. And you twice know, a week, that's yeah. Cool. And for like a twenty-year-old who's you know given his life to the business, uh, it kind of it changed my life, you know, um, in in the positive sense in terms of my career, and it really kind of gave me the platform to do everything that I wanted to do. And and I had a great time on the bill and kiddo. These are very defining roles. And back home, um, still mean a lot to people, especially kiddohood. Mm-hmm. That really, that film is is a cult classic. It's what Boys in the Hood and City of God mm. and films of that nature or kids did to oh, that mm-hmm. that you know uh, that uh, period of time for those who have the kids growing up at that time. So it was, um, yeah, it's it's one of the things. that's like it changed my life and my career and and set me on the path to where I am now. That's awesome. Were you happy with your role as uh, Lewis Hardy on The Bill? I loved my lo- role. It's like one of my favorite roles. The yeah. reason I loved Lewis Hardy on The Bill, um, I was allowed to be so many different things. So, you know, when I first started, Lewis is this kind of, uh, you know, rebel uh, police officer, young police officer who'd been in trouble with um, the law in a, in a kind of, uh, in a very loose sense. And um, he comes in with that this kind of mission. You know what? I'm going to go into the police force and I'm going to change things and you know so he he butts heads with this cop um, Roger who he perceived as a racist so it went from that to like Lewis being a bit of an action hero jumping mm-hmm. into fires and saving like you know old like old people and stuff like that to him having like a romantic time and stuff like that to him delivering babies and, <laughs> and then <laughs> so and doing everything and yeah. Yeah, yeah and then towards the end of it it was like um, this big undercover story where Lewis goes undercover to save his cousin who was uh, who was in trouble with the law, and Lewis's dark past and his association with crime and stuff like that, and and you know just it was great, man. It's like one of the best times of my career. Like looking back, it was so fun, you know. And and the producers of that show um, really trusted me to kind mm-hmm. of because uh, in England prior to that on British TV for like young black characters especially, 
there wasn't as much of a representation of the present time, you know, the language, mm. the, uh, you know, the, the, the way of being. And so the producers really, you know, once they saw that the character was popular, they really let me have my reign and really let me, you know, do what I did. And I, I'm very, I'm forever thankful for that. It's a great time looking back, you know. A lot of uh, the other actors from that show have made the transition to movies and they credit the bill as being a great environment for them to learn and grow as an actor. Is that kind of how you felt? I think like the bill, like you probably go through so many British people's IMDBs and you'll see that, you know, in 1983, so-and-so was in the bill, you know, Mm. this person was in the bill, like, because it's a guest star show. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a CSI Miami or CSI Mm. or... Uh, you know those kind like of shows, law and order yeah, or that yeah. more like Law and Order actually, that kind of traditional show. So, so many people pass through this. So before I'd even become a regular on the show, I was in it twice: once as a victim and once as a criminal. And then oh, I came wow. back uh, um, later as a police officer. So, you know, um, one of my really good friends, T.J. Ramini, who lives out here, made the trans. Uh, he made the transition before me and was in Twenty Four and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He he made the transition. So we can't. We always look back on the bill as, uh, you know, with with great fondness and and. I do think it's where kiddohood, I was the lead in the film and I got to really kind of, uh, I got a great character to live with. But the bill, um, I went in it to really cut my teeth and, and, you know, really understand what it is to be in front of the camera every single day. And Mm -hmm. and I became a much better actor just because, you know, actors or just like anything, you need practice. So in doing that, I got, became a much stronger actor, much more confident in my abilities. And you start to know your face, you know what you do, you know what you don't do. And, you know, it becomes really interesting. And, and because I was on it for so long, I got the ch- opportunity to be playful mm-hmm. and to have something grow. You know, often when you do guest star characters or when you're just doing a movie and you're early on in your career, it's so intense. It's like, oh, I've got to get this right that you just don't free yourself that's up. Fun, yeah. mm-hmm. And so I, I, that's probably one of the jobs I've had the most fun in my career. Did it open a lot of doors for you? It, did, it like, became very popular at home in, in, in the UK and it opened doors in the sense of, not doors here at all, that's a whole different story, but doors in the sense of uh you know i would actually say kiddohood opened more doors for me in england in terms of film and tv and mm-hmm. you know being seen as an actor because with the bill you can be typecast as a you know a soap actor or like a, a serial drama actor mm-hmm. so the blessing and the combination of the both at the time was what really did it for me so but now your career was was doing really well in in England, mm-hmm. but you say you got a little fed up with the material that was being presented to you, especially like with your age and your demographic. Mm. It's, so, a, it's yeah. a combination of both, really, because I, I, when I when I was a kid, all I ever wanted to do is come to Hollywood and be like the people I'd watched, people mm-hmm. I looked up to, you know, at the time, um, all the different actors I looked up to, and and because this is you know for that this is the major leagues of you know. Hollywood, America is the major leagues of the entertainment mm-hmm. industry. So for that reason, when I was younger, I always had that dream. So a combination of um, of having that dream. I remember doing an interview and I first did the bill. And they're like, where will you be in four or five years? This question, I probably would never have the confidence to answer anymore. I'd be a bit wiser to answer now. But I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be in Hollywood, man. Do you know, five years, that's what I'm going to be. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, luckily I did it in four years. You know, I was there in four years. But it's it's... It's one of those situations where it's, um, yeah, it, in England, the roles became um, just my ambition to be here was very important to me. Mm. You know, uh, in terms of England, the roles, we're still in the defining uh, era of our of our filmmaking. You know, mm. um, a lot of my friends and people I've worked with are pioneers of that time. And 
on one side of the fence uh, that, you know, for my age bracket and that at the time, there was there's only a certain kind of story being told. This kind of uh, it's, you know, once something becomes popular, so like kiddohood was very popular. Mm. And once they see they can make money from something, this genre that they previously didn't want to touch, the street genre about X, Y, Z, they now want to yeah, really, yeah. you know, yeah. just milk it until it's yeah. got no uh, integrity anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the problems I found with being back home in uh, in England. Um, but at the same time, we do quintessentially great British dramas, you know, Luther. It just depends where you are in your career and, the, you know, the opportunities you can have. And one of the things I, I've always done as well, I write and direct mm. and I've written and directed a lot of short films and, and also the features that I write. I want to be able to um, extend upon that story. I want to be able to say for like, if I wanted to tell a story about a group of, uh, like I've got this short film called Drink, Drugs and KFC, which is a feature film. And uh, it's about this young guy who's in love and he's in love with this girl who's a popular girl. And he just take, takes him on that journey of trying to win her over over this one night. It's got kind of like a house party vibe to it, and it's got kind of like a um, uh, a love story, like a mm. 500 Days of Summer vibe to mm. it. Now, I'm not saying that that street genre or that genre is not um, important. It's very important to tell stories, but I'm saying, you know, the experience of humanity is so vast that, you know, when you're looking at the black story or from the black lens, mm. it's so vast. There's so many stories to tell that I became frustrated with that, and so for me as an actor, it's better to be here. Um, but me as a storyteller and a writer, I want to contribute to its progress and its change. But now, you know, in in the states, yeah. right, do you fear that you'll get typecasted and just doing like the black roles and, and this and that? I haven't done it yet. I, you know, you know, I I think in the states, it's, it's a combination of things. In the states, I've not, I, I'm still defining my career here. So you know, the shows I've done is like Harry's Law. Uh, I played a, a young guy who's, uh, you know, was 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 a drug addict that wanted to kill himself, yeah. you know, and then he becomes a, a, a kind of a, a paralegal who wants to become a lawyer with Kathy Bates and stuff mm. like that. Now that role is not specifically black, you know. That's true. They obviously, you know, you need to, uh, you need in that story they writ around the culture of it, you know. Yeah. But since then, I've departed onto so many different stuff, you know, from Maze Runner to The Butler, you know. My problem is not, you know. I don't have an issue being typecast. It's everyone gets typecast for a second, mm. whether I be the person that is the, um, you know, the person that's you know the emotional actor or you know the right. drama actor. I want to do comedy, you know, I want to do horror. You know, everyone gets typecast for a minute, but it's about being afforded the opportunities to break out of that, yeah. right? And for me, that's partly my responsibility, and partly whoever's you know um, on my team's responsibility to to kind of look at different areas. So I'm, luckily enough, I've not even done that street film here yet. Funny enough, I want to do that street film here yet because <laughs> it's a different language mm-hmm. to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I'm coming in it from a different perspective. You know, I want to do that 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 world, you yeah. know? But uh, that would be, like, fun for me. But it's it's about jumping around to different things and, and just making sure, for me, I'm serving up what I want to do. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now that you are in L.A. Mm-hmm. permanently... Uh, you've been getting some really great roles. What is uh, the biggest difference or what are some of the biggest differences with acting out here in Hollywood versus acting in Europe? Um, it's just, there's so much stuff here, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Me and my girlfriend were talking, there's like so many TV shows here. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many TV shows. 
So there's a lot more opportunities, um, but there's no real difference. You know, the you know the work remains the same. Mm-hmm. Good people are good, uh, and so that's why I think there's so many Europeans working here because you know they come here from from Europe, uh, whether it be from England or different places uh, or Australia. And they've been doing so much good work for so long that they come here and they're able to capitalize and have their moment, you know. Mm. So the work is no different. It's just a bigger stage, you know. Mm-hmm. And show and business, like show is the small part. And there's a lot of yeah. business and a lot of politics um, behind the scenes of anything you're doing. There's so much. Uh, you have to become a lot more business savvy here. Yeah. A lot more business savvy and yeah. a lot more, you know, understanding the positions and things and understanding TV here is really like network TV is really sold on advertisement or understanding what your foreign sell worth is worth if you're in a movie like all of that stuff I've had a real big education on that but in part because I'm a filmmaker but also as an actor just really trying to understand the scope here so I think that's the main difference the business is bigger and mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more uh, there's a lot more politics and things you have to understand but I think it's the thing that you it could if you let it the quality that I have um, being from another place could really be messed up by the business. So you've got to keep that balance of yeah. like, yeah. you know, making it about the work, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you had mentioned that five years ago you were asked what you would be doing and you said you wanted to go to LA. It's always been a dream for you. Mm-hmm. Now that you're here, mm-hmm. is it everything that you've dreamed of? Um, no, uh, <laughs> to be honest, it's not everything I've dreamed of. Um, I love uh, Los Angeles for the opportunities in my career. I love um, um, Americans for and Americans in this place because you can walk into any room here and for at least a moment you can really sell yourself on um, like who you want to be, what you want to achieve. Like that is what I really grab onto when it comes to uh, Hollywood mm-hmm. version of America. They will listen for a moment. That moment will go it's very quick. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And you've got to, you know you could provide the goods, but they'll listen. Whereas back home. It's a lot more of a, a, a systematic, you know, you can't just spit like conversation to people and mm. that win people around. We have a different culture, a different way of being, you know. We were a lot more of a, you know, if you go to one of the old school drama schools and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that's respected. Our thing comes from a lot of respect, you know. If you look at our TV in, in England, we have people that look like everybody, you know, mm. whereas a lot of TV shows here have pretty people. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's just it, the emphasis is in different places. Here, the emphasis uh, back home, sorry, the emphasis is a lot on the quality of actor, where you come from originally, like in terms of your training as an actor. Mm. And here, uh, it's about a lot more other things. What have been some <laughs> of the letdowns for you? Um, letdowns being here, to, just all in the game. Mm-hmm. It's just all in the game. You know, you can you can really want something or think you deserve something, and someone who's probably just as deserving. Or, or maybe not as deserving, who, who knows, uh, will get something because of their name cachet. Mm. But that's where they are in their career, you know? Uh, the, I, I, I stopped looking at it as a letdown the second that it happened and looking at it more as an opportunity and a, ch- and a challenge for me to kind of turn it around, mm. you know? Um, otherwise, that's it. What's the point? You have to, you know? Yeah. You have to build yourself up in a way. And that's, that's, that's pretty much the... Uh, the letdown per se, if you if you want to say that, but that's a, that's the business. Yeah, that's the business. That's what it is, and you have to build yourself up, and eventually, you know, people will value your work if you are good. Eventually, the work is what's going to live, and that's yeah. so Im- that's so important. All the great actors I've ever worked with, 
um, when I've had conversations with them from Kathy Bates to Forrest Whitaker, have all said to me, keep it about the work and mm-hmm. you'll have longevity. Look at them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Longevity and people that are respected and not necessarily, you know, the, you know, the, the model the look or, or what the, mo- the, the flash of the moment. These are people that are good actors and, you know, good artists and really deep as well. Mm-hmm. Like really good actors are really deep. They actually believe in more than just it being about uh, uh, attention, fame, and, you know, becoming known. Yeah. You know, once you really get into what this thing is about, it's about humanity and kind of changing the consciousness of people and how much TV and film and entertainment and media has effect on people's minds. You want to really kind of, you know, take some sort of responsibility for that um, as much as you can. So me as an actor, the way I take responsibility is only doing things that appeal to my heart and having integrity in that way, you know. And ho- hopefully as a filmmaker, we have a lot more of a voice. When I start doing more, uh, being becoming more of a filmmaker, I will, you know, really push that as well. So that's the balance I'm trying to keep right now. It's a great perspective. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strong. That's, you know, geez. It's deep. Yeah. <laughs> so you've had some fairly steady work, you know, mm-hmm. since you've been out here. Um, have you had any struggles? Like, was there any, like, downtime where you're like, okay, like, I need to land something or, like, I got to move back or... No, I've never thought about moving back ever. Um, ever? Wow. <laughs> no, not in the sense of like, um, I can't achieve what no, I need to I achieve know. here. When you're, when you're here long enough and you scope the talent pool and all of that, you know, after a certain amount of time, your confidence grows. Mm. And I'm like, do you know what? I know who everybody's here. A lot of my friends are doing extremely well as well. So it's like, I look at all of that and I'm like, I can do it, you know? I yeah. can really do it. And it, it may not take, it may not be the moment like the, when I want it to happen. Mm. But um, yeah, so I've not had a really big letdowns. Um, we're, we're actually in, in on Harry's Law, we did the first season of Harry's Law. And in the second season, they needed to change the show. Um, and so me and Brittany Snow, weren't, we weren't going to reprise our characters. And that was, you know, something for me to take. And I was like, wow, like, yeah. damn. Yeah. But I can't stay down for like longer than a couple of days about something. Mm-hmm. It's just not in my nature to. I have to get up. I have to do something. So um, that's what I did. Like literally, when when that happened and that year happened, I literally went and made a short film at home about it and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. about that time or about my year. And um, uh, and so those those bits like TV, like network TV, is harsh. Yeah. yeah. You know, and when I first I got the, my journey here was I got. Um, I got put on tape for some another show. I came here. I did the test, which I'd never done a studio test before. I never knew what that was. Mm. So I was just walking to it like an audition where other people are like, do you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. looking at the money and how it can change their lives and all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it as an audition. So passed the studio test, didn't pass the network test. Someone else got it. And that moment was that moment of disappointment where it was like, okay, what am I going to do? Mm. You know. And literally 13 days later, I got cast in Harry's Law in a better role with with with, with a greater team and a great like something that lasted and mm-hmm. had that experience where I got to work with David E. Kelly and Bill yeah. D'Elia and, you know, he's a producer of it and, and Kathy Bates and made some really good, strong connections. And so then that happened and then, you know, then the season was coming back and then boom, it didn't, you know, it didn't happen. So that was another blow. And the more blows you get and the more you get up and you got that, you, you get stronger, yeah. you know? So that happened and then I came back for season two for a couple of episodes. And so it, those those are the first couple of blows that really got me. I'm sure there'll be an, a one or two more blows, but I've learned how to dodge a little bit, you know? Got my combination a lot. What has been the hardest thing you had to adjust to living out, out here now? Um, in L.A., not being in London, because 
you know, in my, one of just in my opinion, London's one of the greatest cities in the world. And leaving London and coming here, mm. I realized that. Now, the reason I feel like that, I loved LA for the first two years, mm. but what I really miss about the UK or London specifically is uh, the, the vibe, man. There's just such a vibe, and the transportation system is a huge thing in the UK. So you're constantly bumping into people in that in in the UK. We're here. You have to really make dates to see people. You know, it's like you mm -hmm. know, it's it, it it makes it a bit more uh, difficult. Make an effort. <laughs> you know, and this city yeah. is also really you know, uh, it's really surrounded by the industry. Mm. And you realize, as an artist, you have to to really be a good artist. In my opinion, you have to be able to step outside of the world of the business and always talking about acting or talking about whatever you do as an artist and actually experience real life and different people and. You know, these experiences inform you and inform the passion that makes you want to do something. Yeah. So it is is more difficult in a sense um, remaining an artist. I believe loads of people have gone through this that are artists in this that have been here, you know, and then you find your home here, you know, hopefully. So that's that's been my biggest challenge about moving to uh, Los Angeles, just not being able and missing family. Like, I've got a big, big, big ass family. So it's like it's a very important part of my life. So what so, was your biggest fear, like, headed over here, if you're afraid at all? I didn't have a fear, to be honest. Wow. I didn't. Like, That's awesome. There was no, no, it's just, I, I definitely didn't have a fear coming over here because, you know, part of me, like, like when you know something, when you're that passionate about something, like, yeah. extremely, and you've wanted it for so long, fear get like any ounce of fear just gets lopsided yeah do you get what i'm saying when you're yeah. that convicted you know a, 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 a bill delia from harry's law once said to me he said you know to actually re you know your this business is rent meant for you or whatever you're doing in your life is meant for you if you can suffer the rejection of doing it you know if you mm. can really suffer the rejection of going after whatever you're going for mm. then you know it's for you when you can walk into a room any of us and we're going for a job or we're presenting an idea and we're like do you know what and they go, no, we're going with this person. And in your head, you're like, you're wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're actually wrong, but fine. But you're wrong. Then you, well, where's fear? There's no fear. Obviously, I have fears in my life about other stuff and all the rest of it. But when it came to coming over here, there was no real fear. You know, you know, making it is, anybody out there, that, that whole making it thing is bull. Like, it's like, you make it and then the goalpost moves. You, you make it, it's moments. You know, mm -hmm. you're having different moments in your life that become important to you. Like, when I first came to LA, I just wanted to, oh, I just want to book a job. I want to do this, da, 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 da. you know. And then the dream becomes closer and closer, and then you, you know. And I suppose as you achieve more things, like look all these great people that achieve things in their life, like ultimate success and stuff like that. To really fulfill their happiness, more stuff needs to come, and it's not necessarily from the pool of which they thought their dreams were going to come mm -hmm. from in the first place, mm. like being you know successful and that you know they want meaning to their life. And so my fear does not come from what success I'll have in this industry and all of that because that's a process. It's a thing that happens and then dies and happens and dies. You know, my my fear is about probably about always making sure that I can keep my integrity within it and attach something that's very important to me to it. You know, something I'm very mm. passionate about. When I read the Butler script, I was just passionate about it. It's like, mm. you know, passion, 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 passion. I want it. And uh, obviously you fear not getting the job to a degree or you have that nervousness feeling that you get over in a minute, but yeah. you're passionate about it. That's the only thing that matters, you know, to me. It's very impressive. 
So you obviously have a very nice British accent. Did I say that good? Do that again. British. British. <laughs> it's a start. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. British. Uh, <laughs> but you've also British. 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 You, you don't better. say the T. British. Do well, you? I, oh. I, 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 I say I've got broken. British language. I, it depends who I'm speaking to. Okay, you so know, it's like going for a job. Like anybody, you know, you go for a job. You know, you got your things. You talk about your, your boys. You're like, what's going on, brother? You call. Yeah, what's going on? I haven't seen time, man. You call. Everything's brother, blessed, you know. Brother, yeah, bruv, that's brother. the one. They write that bruv. Bruv. I'm gonna recite all these here. Anybody, end. you guys tweet me with different um, words in England because I've lost them. <laughs> bruv is a good. <laughs> bruv is a good one. Yeah. Okay, so I need I need a harder T. British. British. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Depends how you want to talk. There you go. I'm there gonna be. Per- a master at this by the end. Um, but you've also mastered the American accent as well. Uh, are there certain or- certain words in the American accent that you struggle with? I think there's a few, but I couldn't name them. Like, you, you go to do it and it's like, you know. I remember when I first got did Harry's Law, like, my throat hurt after a while, man. <laughs> because I was doing Malcolm and, uh, you know, Malcolm's accent changed over time. So he had this more street accent before and then he became, you know, when you hang around different people and you're trying mm. to fit in, it changes. So a lot of my, my accent was like in the back of my throat like that. Mm. And so, you know, in England, we speak uh, probably, well, Londoners again, sorry. I always think English, but it's Londoners. We speak more in the front of our face, a bit like more New Yorkers. Like they talk like right up in the front of their face. Like, and me, mm. I talk in the front of my face. So doing that kind of a, a little bit more in the back of my throat was a bit, it was a bit challenging. But now I don't even think about it. My first episode, when we did shot the pilot, I stayed American throughout the whole thing. I was like one of those actors. Like <laughs> I spoke to Kathy and American. Like no, everyone, and then we came, when we came to season, everyone goes, "Oh, you're British," you know. <laughs> so I, I did that whole I did that whole thing, you know, for the first uh, pilot. But then I just dropped it. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me your American accent. Accent. Give me a sentence. Tell me like where where you were born and where you grew up. What? But see, that's what I'm saying. Which one? What do you mean? What American accent is like? There's like California. I was born. I what? Well, I don't. How does? I go. I, my thing is like west, east, and then the south, and that's okay. Kind give of, me your New York accent. New York. I'm not doing New York yet. Like New York is <laughs> like. I don't want any New Yorkers. Come on, like son. yo, Come on, yo, B. yo, son. Like what the? F- <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you know, But the Ameri- the, the accent I'm most comfortable with is kind of like an east coast, east coast kind of flavor. Like you talk more like that. And you got to warm up into it. So after a while, you be talking you know like that. Which like, uh, who is it? I just, I just, I, I had like you the heard guys. somebody. Yeah, it's uh, and I, I'll, I'll think about it. You'll think I'll, about, yeah, it. I'll right. think about okay, it. Okay, give it, it to me in patois. Patois. Where am I missing? Where am I My my father was born in um Saint Vincent. My I mother is it. from Jamaica. You sound like too. my family. Yeah. But everything is a warm up. So anybody that's tweeting going, that's not right. Yeah, it was all right. Just calm down, you know. We warm it up. Okay, here's a tough one. Give me your Texan accent. Texan. Do you know the things that come out of my my head when I've got to do that? It's so like I can't. I don't think you guys are like a PG thing, right? I no. If, <laughs> just say if I, you want to cuss, you can go ahead. Go on the internet. You can't kick up the internet. Right. Go on the internet. I don't know, like, uh, I'm much, I, I don't want to do it. I don't kiss anyone. <laughs> That's yeah, Go yeah, I'm just chilling here on the bar. <laughs> it's so, it's so prejudiced, isn't it? Like, because if it, you know, it's like when someone just did my London accent, you, you feel a bit like, shut up, that's not how it's done, you know? <laughs> so if I do strange, me, I don't know. I can't do a Texan accent. I don't even know how they speak. <laughs> what are your, like, you said you're most comfortable with East Coast. What do you are know what? Some... You find, with different characters, you find their voice, mm-hmm. you know? 
So there's just different voices, you know. It, it, it's it's really, it's I don't know. It's fun <laughs> to do it, but it's like really and truly you try and find the voice of the person. You try and be as regional as possible, mm. you know. You know, and then you can just do general ones. Yeah. So the, most of the people I've found, because I've got deep resonance to my voice, I've mostly done, a, a, you know, when I did Malcolm, for some reason I started talking more like up there, and it was annoying me mm. listening to it. So eventually I dropped it back to my voice and mm-hmm. talking more like there. Yeah. So, so it just depends who the person is and their style and stuff like that. But you so think you'll ever lose your your British accent though? Like if you apparently, you know. <laughs> according <laughs> to the lady over there, apparently I have words that I'm starting to mess around with. But I don't think so. I've been here for three and a half years almost. So, but to British people, that they'd be like. Actually, my uncle, who's very you know, my uncle Kirk, who just loves to chastise, he's he's like. I'm really having lost your accent, no, man. That's cool. That's good, man. That's good. <laughs> like, uncle, what do you expect? He's like, that's good. Man, I want to hear you talk American. Let me <laughs> like them young kid. And I was like, all right, that's fine. I'm bad. But I'll say certain words like, i got to take the trash out or something like that. You know, after a while, where you're from. As opposed to? The rubbish. Oh. The rubbish. The rubbish. Take the rubbish out. <laughs> I was like, trash is a normal word. No, it's like I'm rubbish so where we're from. <laughs> Um, so, well, you know, it's very common for non-American actors and actresses to lose their accents for certain roles and things like that. And I was actually, just last night, was watching Rebel Wilson's new show, Super Fun Night, and I was kind of sad to notice that she lost her Australian accent for the show, which, you what, know... Was she playing America? Yeah, she's pl- she is using her American accent. It's a show on ABC, I think. Mm. And I've gr- I mean, I've been watching her for the past couple of years from Bridesmaids and Pitch Perfect and everything. I've learned to love her. Is she from Australia? Aus- yeah. Or she from England? No, she's Australian, I believe. Um, yeah. But, like, does it ever feel... Is this, like, a requirement when you take roles on? Do you have to lose your accent or is it something that... I mean, mostly you're going up, you know, the British um, voice, so to speak, is not really... The British culture is not really prevalent here. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about a black British man, it's not really prevalent here. So I don't really see many, you know, you, they, if they're going to put a British person in, it's usually going to be what their, you know, their, uh, the archetypal, their, idea. their idea and the archetypal, what they think it is. Um, there's been times in auditions and stuff where they've, you know, I'm doing my American accent and I leave and I go, and I do this on purpose sometimes as well. Like, so I do my resume. Like, I'm like, all right, cheers, mate. See you later, guys. All right, cheers. See you later, mate. You know, to make sure they know I'm English on the way out. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, you're British? Oh, my God. Can you come back and do it in your accent? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Which could work for and against you, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I, it's a requirement for every role that I've done. There's only one role recently, um, Blackbird, uh, by Gina prince Brythwood, where I thought, maybe do it British but you know mm. I think we're growing in in like people's awareness mm-hmm. so like someone like Idris Elba I think he was uh, he's known for being British obviously but he was British in The Takers yeah yeah and that's pretty much all I've seen you know and I, I would that's one of the that's one of my dreams and I want to contribute is that to be able to play British within the realms of the story but it's got to make sense I suppose you know that's true you know it's kind of ironic because, you know, you always hear Americans saying how much they love accents, mm. you know, whether it's the British accent or Australian or whatnot. Um, does it seem like, you know, for a lot of actors in Britain, does it seem like the American accent sounds more appealing? Or we do, We've grown up with it so much that mm-hmm. it's not even something that is a surprise to us. You know, I grew up watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or the Cosbys and mm. stuff like that. 
you know, I grew up watching, you know, all sorts of American films, like, as a kid. So your culture is pushed, you know, your way of life and culture, and that's pushed so well, that trust me, I don't think you're going to surprise any British people. None. Mm. You know, we know the BT shows. We grew up watching all that stuff. We know the, the, you know, the shows and the Kardashians, and we know all of the stuff that's so that. It's an, you know, when people say, oh, how do you do the accent and stuff like that? It's an unfair advantage because we're fed your culture so much. So when, when Americans can't do the British accent, it's not a fair assessment because you're not fed. You're, we're not in your consciousness as, yeah. as much, yeah. you know, but you're in the world's consciousness. So it's, it's, it's different. So do you learn a lot of it from TV or listening to other people or do you take dialect classes? And I've never done a things? dialect class. The only one I kind of did it for was when I did the, uh, the butler and I wanted to get the voice like Forrest's voice to be honest more than just more than mm. it being an accent mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of do that it's more about me and him speaking together sometimes and also um, just uh, using the same coach he did but that's more about a voice but um, um, a lot of it's come from I did an American accent before I came and my American accent was like good you know but you've got to be around them like a lot of my boys and my best friends here like they're American so you get a real sense of their vibe. Mm-hmm. You've got it's more than just an accent, because you know, as a you know, as a culture, I present myself in a certain way and all of that. But as you know, as an American man, when I'm playing an American person from wherever they're from, you've got to get in the sense of their energy and their feel, their fibers, their molecules, and all that. So that's that's what I've done and been able to pick that up. So I can speak shorthand of my boys, you know, you know. So you know, or when they say my girls here, like you, oh. Mel, you sound a lot more British now, man. Like it's that kind of thing, like you know. So it's it's, it's different. There you go. But don't don't go too shorthand. Like don't start saying LOL and OMG. Don't don't do all that. Who does that? OMG. There's there's plenty of Americans. What do I do? He's <laughs> calling you out. Just got called out. Uh oh. Obvi, oh, yeah. but that's don't. English. Obvi, Obvi, that's an English one. <laughs> We say uh, FYI. Avi. That's not bad. Th- yeah, that's 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 not bad. Acceptable. <laughs> yeah. FYI. Did you say BT Dubs? For you. Okay. What's that? So that no. See. So <laughs> so What's BT Dubs? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just don't even put it. See, because now he's he's gonna start saying it. I'd say. No, man. I can't do that. There's gonna be an argument. See, there's a word for you. Now I'm teaching you words. Yeah. BT Dubs. What a Dan. That's a good one as well. Dan. I use that all the time. I love it. So you landed your role in, in Harry's Law, and you, you did it without having to do a, a test. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, did you know like how I guess how interesting that that was that that, that doesn't really happen? Yeah, they they told me like basically I was uh, I don't know how much I'm meant to say, but like basically I was it was like a pit between two shows. I did a test for one show, and David Kelly is so you know he's powerful that he yeah. was like, I want him, no test, boom. I think I was even cast before Kathy. Uh, decided to accept the role, you know. So, oh, wow. so it was like, you know, he he met me and he's like, "That's Malcolm," boom, you know. Mm. And uh, a lot of that's thanks to the casting director as well, Ken Miller, who like was like when he met me, he was like, uh, "My audition was okay," and then he kind of we worked on it, and then he's like, "Boom," you know. So that that was the process of that, and I didn't realize how much of a big deal it was, but trust me, it was to get that. Like it was, I remember I even wrote blogs about it, man. It was like that was a moment wow. for me in uh. my life. Like that's that's a big moment for me in my life. It's like just imagine dreaming about something all your life, and you know you've got the passion for it, but you know will it will it come true? Will it will you do it? And everybody's telling you the odds as well. Everyone's saying to you, look, you know you got tested in your first year. That's incredible, you know. And me, I'm thinking to myself, what? I just I just you know I want to get the job. Yeah. You don't know 
you don't know the insides and outsides of the business so much here. I didn't know it. So uh, me me being unaware was really helpful in a sense. And it's like, you know, when I got it, it was that moment, man. That moment. I think I was driving around with whose album was driving. I was driving around with J. Cole's album at the time. It's one of his mixtapes. I listened to Dollar in a Dream and, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> That's my yeah. year. You was really in it. Yeah, I was in Now, because I, I heard that you, you made an audition tape in your mother's kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and my right? brother, Mikel, did that, who's very good. Like, if he ever steps into the game, I've got a problem. Was it was it like with, with the handheld or like? Would you yeah, it was just it? in the kitchen. Um, it was in the kitchen, and you know he's got a very good American accent, and he's funny, he's charismatic, he's a music artist actually. Okay, and he's coming over soon, so maybe you guys should interview him. But um, it's it's he's it was fun. Yeah, we did that, sent it off, and then literally the day later, it's like you're flying here, and it's like you fly here, and it's like there's a limousine, and you go to a hotel, and you're like boom, 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 boom. You, you focus, focus, focus. You do the audition. Wow. Don't hear back. You hit it go for the test, hear back, doesn't happen. But you know what happened? As soon as I didn't get that other job, I, you know, there's a blessing me finding this out. Like, they just did this. Like, sweet. All right, you've got to leave the country. You've got to, you know, the hotel's gone, the mm. limousine's gone, get your own cab home. Well, not that. But, like, it was just kind of, like, sweeped from under your feet yeah. before I got Harry's Law, yeah. the one I came for. And it, my manager and my family just encouraged me to stay and, you know, it's blessing. Got, got, you know, got lucky or whatever. Something, you know. Blessing in disguise. That's good. And so let's let's talk about Red Tails because there was a lot of talk in Hollywood for years, you know, trying to get this movie made, and you know, Hollywood didn't want to do it because they felt it was too much of a risk, or mm. you know, whatever the case was. And so, you know, George Lucas finally stepped up and you know put a lot of his money into this film. Mm -hmm. So, how important was it for you to be a part of this of this film? Well, Red Tails was when I was living in England, and um, you know. What happens is, and we don't really know this uh, back home, but a lot of the times they cast a lot of the main roles. So I was going for one of the main roles, mm. and uh, but they cast them because you know, you know, Tristan has more name value. Plus, he's really good, and mm. you know, you know, all you know, they cast the roles. And so, by the time it gets to England, at that time anyway, I think things are changing. But by the time it gets to England, it's like you don't have opportunity to go for those roles. But I just wanted to be in the film so much because it represented my opportunity to work finally. Uh, and Hollywood and say I was in a, in a film like that. And when I read Red Tails, um, it was an impressive movie, mm -hmm. and uh, and the cast that was attached to it was impressive. So I, it wasn't an, it was weird because it was a British job I got. Well, it was an American job I got, but while I was in Britain, so the experience was shot in Prague and all of that stuff. So it was a great experience, but um, I, I I'm not as connected to the experiences other experiences because of my involvement. It was very minimal, you mm -hmm. know. So, but it it. Did, it did great. It was an important movie for uh, the, uh, Americans in general and a piece of history. And I, I'm glad those movies uh, have been told in whatever they could be. Yeah. So you've mentioned it a couple of times uh, throughout this interview. So it was obviously a very passionate uh, film for you. But you had the amazing opportunity to be a part of Lee Daniels, the butler. What was that experience like for you working with Lee Daniels, Forrest Whitaker, Oprah Winfrey? Tell us a little bit about what it was like to work with them and your experience overall. I mean, uh, yeah, that was like, that's a script. When I read it, I was like, please, I must be a part of this, please. Um, and I went for the audition um, and, you know, didn't get the job straight away and almost didn't get the job uh, initially because of, you know, they had it, it was stretched out. The, the younger character was meant to be stretched out, mm. but Forrest jumped in a lot quicker. But 
uh, working with Lee literally made me a much better actor. Mm. It was an incredible experience. Uh, he's tough on you. He knows what he wants. But um, once he knows you're there to work in the premise of his vision, it's, it's, you find such a kind of warm, generous person and someone that is, uh, has changed my acting for the better. You know, I remember there was a moment when I was working with Clarence Williams III and he was, was rehearsing the scene and, uh, and he's doing his stuff and I'm doing, I'm doing my stuff. And I was like, I couldn't even hear him. I couldn't even hear Clarence, right? Mm. And then when I looked back at the, at the rehearsal take and I looked and I was like, this guy's truth is amazing, you know? And so, you know, Lee pulled me aside and he was like talking to me about how trying to finesse that truth and mm. just trusting your instincts, knowing that I've worked on who this person is and I know who this person is and just to let it live within the space of the, the film and the celluloid, just let it live in the scene. Don't push too much, you know? Mm. You know, we've got a thousand, all of us got a thousand thoughts going through our heads right now, mm. whatever they are, and they happen and they go and they happen and they go. And he, sh he just showed me really how to kind of finesse uh, and really put like a quiet performance. And that was stamped by watching the film, looking at Forrest's performance. It's like, this is a masterful take on this person's life. Yeah. Mm. Masterful. It is, an, it is a lesson in, in how to really just exist. You know, and I think Lee did his best to kind of uh, give that to me as a lesson. So, is it? It's one of them life-changing ones, and it's also for me. It's that that film. It's like you know, I'm part of history forever. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's a forever film. You know. Yeah. Did you guys always know, like on set, how powerful this would become? I think so. I think so. Not. I mean, not necessarily. Yeah, I I don't know about success of how films are going to do and stuff like that. But, you know, you knew you were telling a very important story. And you knew by just the people that decided to lend their time to the film for almost nothing. Like, you know, all the different people who with extreme excellent credentials, uh, actors, actors, lending their time and, and putting, they just knew the story was important. And mm -hmm. I think it's definitely, it's, it's lived to see. It's one of them great moments when a great film does fantastic and mm -hmm. so i think it's it's just amazing and i'm I'm very happy to be a part of that experience i would love to work with lee again because he's as a director he's the truth he's like, amazing, yeah. he is like you know and then did you learn anything just watching him as a director that helps you with with your directing as well um definitely definitely a lot of a lot of it is is do the work do the work and just find the truth find the truth what's the truth through so much like in the moments he throws things away if he doesn't because mm. you know my, my you know my words are, are, are guides what's the truth speak to him speak to him what would you say no 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 speak to him what would you say mm. you know just trying to you know and you yeah. see that by the films he's done so it's just like definitely as a director I will not be as um, he's he goes with the moment and the feeling you know mm. he's very in tune with that and so as a director as I continue to do what I want to do I'm definitely not going to be rigid in my ideas of things, you know, yeah. just put aside what you think it should be and find out what it could be, you know, let's work it out. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a uh, special delivery really quick. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause that stars Kamara Bacchus. Mm -hmm. okay, so, okay. And she was also in the uh, pickup. Now, is it true that this movie was shot entirely in one day? Yes. Wow. Yes. So that was just, it was just a real, real quick. Was it easier to shoot it since there wasn't any dialogue in the film? Yeah, with all of my films, I've done Pick Up, Special Delivery, Drink Drugs and KFC, all of these films, they've been on a budget of like 
about 1,000 to 2,000 pounds. Mm. And they've like been on, they've been literally a one or a two day shoot. And so that's what, that's what all of my stuff, because we've got a very tight, you know, it's a very tight, you know, uh, period of time that we can actually shoot this stuff in and people are lending their time and for free. Yeah. So it was definitely, it was shot in one day, that one particularly, uh, the pickup, which is a bigger one. We shot that in two days. Um, Drink Drugs and KFC, which is like one of my favorite ones, is one that we want to make it to a feature film. That was shot in two days as well. Mm. And that's got a huge cast and we travel over London, you know, and even stuff like 12, that was two days. So my thing is, I look forward to seeing what I can do with a proper budget mm. Mm. On, a, on a film where I've got more time and stuff like that and just like, just really kind of yeah. lift that project. And then with the uh, Drinks, Drugs, and KFC, mm-hmm. you, you wrote that script when you were, what, 17 years old? I wrote Drink Drugs and KFC when I was 17 years old. And uh, it's basically about my time. Like, I was literally like kind of like the Nathan kid when I was 16, 17 mm. years old. You know what I mean? Just like that kid that, you know, just out there. I went to private school. So a lot of my friends didn't go to private school. So mm. they had a more of an urban type experience and stuff yeah. like that. And so, you know, that was me kind of kind of watching their life and watching their life unfold and stuff like that and just being so fascinated by how they dealt with, you know, uh, romance or, you know, or, or in fact, I was romantic. They weren't romantic. <laughs> how they dealt with just like, you know, this girl, that girl, or, you know, or, you know, going to this rave or like literally a lot of the stories in Drink, Drugs and Caves are quite true. Like yeah. we got, there's one time someone stole a ticket from a woman that was a girl that was in, in a line in a queue before we go into a club. And so we weren't getting into the club and so the guy whose Max is based on was like, all right, cool. Um, everybody changed clothes, you know, and it was like a, the big, it was a big rave for a big night. Everyone changed clothes and boom. So, and we got in. And so I, it was, it's like an adventure story. Mm. And to me, stuff like that is like a big, you know, I want to tell those coming of age adventure kind of stories. Mm-hmm. You men- mentioned Idris Elba mm-hmm. earlier today, and you've also talked about him a little bit in past interviews that you've done. Is he kind of like a role model for black actors in England? Oh, massively. You know, Idris was the, like, you know, once people found out who Idris was and, you know, I met him a couple of times and it, you just, you, you kind of really, he's the one that kind of put us on the map in mm. terms of that, you know. Mm. He's, a, you know, he's for all the potential purposes. There's a lot of great actors, but, you know, he's a movie star, you know, he's a, he's a sex symbol. He's, he's very talented. He's, he's, He's uh, uh, off the cuff, so he doesn't do things you expect him to do. You know, mm. he didn't carry on with the daddy's girls, or he didn't carry on with the wire. Or he didn't mm. carry. You can't really pitch him anywhere. So yeah. I really respect that about him, and I, I like that quality him as an actor. And you know, he's great. If you've seen Luther, you know, mm. me and Portia, we love. We've been love Luther, and it was just like <laughs> we just we we got into Luther while we've been out here, and um, you know, he's great, man. He's, yeah. a, he's an actor's actor. He's like one of them old school actors, you yeah. know. Yeah. So nothing but respect and and I think everybody at home who's an actor, forget black, just an actor. Yeah. You know, you you respect him and you you know, I hope that um I could even work with him one day. That'd be great, you know. Well, Britain has uh in general has definitely made its mark in Hollywood. Not only Idris but you have Jude Law, Daniel Craig, Keira Knightley, just so many people from Europe. Um, how does the success of these English actors motivate you to succeed as an actor? Um, I have my own dream, you know, so everything serves of inspiration. You kind of look for inspiration, different things. 
and you know my dream goes even beyond acting and it goes really to like you know just like people that have really affected the world in a, in a in a great way and how I can live more in those shoes to be honest so wherever I draw I draw inspiration from wherever I can get mm-hmm. you know and uh, you know actors or, or some of it but you know there's just different types of people and people in my real life as well that kind of you know inform art that's kind of what I'm really on like how can I be a good artist and how can I tell great stories that's my thing Okay, so you also founded uh, Actors Student Alliance, yeah. which is in London, right? And so, like, what what made you I know this stuff? <laughs> we we did we dug a lot of research. Out. This is you know, I, yeah, that's a, to make sure I got it. And so, but what funny. what made you you know want to start this uh, this alliance really? Um, well, it, what's the original story of that? The original story. It was. <laughs> let me cut it short. Actors Student Alliance. Basically, I wanted to, um, you know, I had. A lot of downtime. I was shooting. I was uh, finished the bill. I was doing different films and stuff. I had a lot of downtime. And one of the things I wanted to do is kind of, you know, a lot of young people in the UK um, always would come up to me and say, you know, how can I do this? Or how can I be an actor? And how can I do this? And what I've come to learn is they're really asking me, how can I pursue my dream? If they know who who I am and what I represent, it's like, you know, how can I pursue my path? How can I find Mm -hmm. what I'm doing? So, you know, the way in which I did that uh, kind of, was to start this kind of drama weekend drama workshop and um i started it and it, it kind of really grew and it kind of um we, we did well for a time it was on for like two years mm. and uh, but i moved over here and it, it became harder to maintain and so um it kind of it went to bed but actors student alliance is, is just a, it was a really great group of young actors and or young people that wanted to get into the business and a lot of them are doing pretty well right now as well and then, because I heard that you you casted a few of them that were in the alliance in a couple of your short short films. Yeah, that you so did, like right? a lot of them were in Drink Drugs and KFC. There's a lot of unknown actors in that, mm. and they're in that. And uh, yeah, okay. And then so, and with uh, what was it? You for the pickup, right? We know that you wrote, directed, and produced uh, the film as well as starred in it. Mm. So was it was kind it challenging pick. wearing all those hats? That's the first short film I ever did. So uh. when I did the pickup, it was like it was literally. It was, it was, it was the DP that I worked with uh, was also a director. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of, he kind of helped me a lot in that respect. Um, and it was, it was just a very challenging thing trying to manage about, about 70 to 100 extras in the, in the club and you're playing the yeah, music, you're meant to yeah. play the music. Like club scene is very difficult to do because no, there's no music on really. Yeah. Everybody's doing their lines and everyone's having to do all of that stuff. So. You know, that was very challenging at first. Um, but by the time I've come around to doing, like, um, the next one I've done, which is really all me, it's like a three-hander, was a, a short film called Hoorah mm-hmm. that's going into festival. And it's about a guy that suffers from post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And he was in the war, and he comes home, and he finds his best friend and his uh, wife murdered. And so I start, I, I, I lead in that, and I directed that and wrote that. I like I liked, I liked the, um, the feeling of it, of actually... Um, the uh, Tyler Perry feeling? No, <laughs> <laughs> never that. <laughs> um, but but um, just the the feeling of just you know when you're an actor, I would only do that if I'm doing a genre that I'm comfortable with. You know, mm. so if I'm doing genres that I've really worked in and stuff like that, if I had to do like a sci-fi, I'd back away a bit. But you know, and also sometimes it's about resources. Sometimes you can't get people to be in the projects because you haven't got a lot of money and all of that. So. You're pulling from resources of people that you know. Mm. I know me pretty well, so I was in it. Yeah. All right. So you, you know, 
we've discussed a lot of the different actors that you've worked with throughout your career, and you've worked with some heavy hitters. You got Kathy Bates, Forrest Whitaker, George Lucas, so many admirable people in this industry. What is the single best, just one piece of advice that you've received from any of them that has really inspired you through your career? The thing that's kind of kept me, like, uh, level-headed and just is is just make it about the work. I remember Kathy saying that to me. And, and you know, if you make it about the work, that's what's going to make you live through all the bullshit. So, you know, make it about the work, make it about the art, make it about that stuff and kind of carry on with that in that vein. So hopefully, you know, that's one of the, some of the best advice I've received from actors, yeah. you know. Now we're going to have to put a TV-14 up before we air this. Really? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, you have a a background in dancing and singing and such. And so, I mean, are you looking to get back into that? I'm so so rusty that it would have to be someone that goes, you know, you're doing well in your acting, whatever, and we want you to be in this. I would do a tap dance film Mm. of some sort. I missed tap dancing so much. It was such a part of my growing up. In fact, everyone at school actually thought I was going to be a dancer, mm. and, I, uh, and uh, I didn't want to do that. So, but um, I would love to incorporate in the future, in in some way, you know. Yeah, but mm. um, maybe maybe you and the Harrison Knight can can do something because he's a tap dancer too. He said that he wanted to do a, a tap dance movie. Who's that? Harrison. He's a he's a young young actor out here. And oh, I didn't in, I don't know LA. him. Okay. Yeah. Well, and plus you're going to show us that secret dance move after this. Exactly. So, so we're gonna. You know, but it will never help you brush be up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we always like to end our interviews with a fun game yeah. on a light note. Test your uh, knowledge. So we came up with a game to test how well you know your American TV shows that originated from some sort of British version. Oh, right. Okay. So we'll give you... No like, help from your girlfriend either. <laughs> Come on, Pete. We'll give you um, a description of the show, mm-hmm. and you'll guess the show, and you'll get an extra point if you could also guess what the name of the show is that it originated from. All right. So, okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I think I got that. This yeah. show is about six people who are friendly and living and figuring out life in New York City. Friends. What's the original show? <laughs> they had an original show to that? <laughs> yes. Uh, Grain Chill? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, you get the point, but you don't get the extra point. Who, who? It was Coupling. That was an English show? Yeah. Thieves in the Night. <laughs> they didn't These make as much money. These are all shows that came from <laughs> an idea off of a British show. Really? Whether it was a direct spinoff or it was, you know, kind of a copycat. I am shocked. <laughs> Aren't you? If you think about it, like, that show was exactly the same premise. You had six friends, yeah. three girls, three boys. It says England, we're doing, we've got great content. Just You do. Sell it over here. <laughs> Make a life. Want to do the next one? Yeah. All right. It's a uh, mockumentary that documents the exploits of a paper supply company in Scranton, Pennsylvania. In England? No, this, mm-hmm. this is... Uh, oh, office. In the office. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Originate from the office. Did I get two points. Okay, in this show... <laughs> Look at you trying to give yourself more points. Two words. Hipster interviews a variety of guests from the world of crime prevention, drug enforcement, and the judiciary to discuss the issues of crime and drugs in Britain and America. First bit again? A what? A hipster interviews... Oh, uh, um, House of Cards. No. (laughs) 
Shut up. <laughs> a hipster. Yes. And he's a comedian. He's a comedian. Kind of. Uh, he's not really a comedian. He's he's uh, he's a a very Borat-ish uh, comedian. Okay, you just <laughs> Borat-ish comedian. What Bo- Ali G? Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's over here. But it was also in Britain. Yeah, but it's the same show. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't change. No one changed it. I get that point. Thank you Jessica, very much. Okay, Jessica you get came two up, points. Jessica came up I with these. I messed up that one. I won three points. Twelve <laughs> finalists and or future. What? Hunt. What? Okay. Look, 12 finalists uh, compete in a talent com- competition where they're asked to sing any song that oh. they like, like on, it's like a star. So this is the okay. like Pop Idol American. There you go. Yeah. You notice I didn't say, uh, well, X Factor would have been right as well. X Factor is yeah, right as well, been, yeah. as well as America's Got Talent. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So much more money here for this stuff. I know. Okay, this one's taking it back a little. The Misadventures of a Bad-Tempered Junk Dealer and His Frustrated Son. And, okay, so what's the American show? What? Go on. Oh. T- tag you in. Go. Oh. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell Sanford me. and Son. So what's the original? Steptoe and Son. What in England? Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. <laughs> Bringing the knowledge on you. That's terrible. Last and good. one. Here we go. Wow. It's an improvisational comedy game what show. Don't worry about it. Which features, <laughs> about it. Which features four players uh, that act out variations of comedic games oh, and Whose sketching. line is it anyway? There you go. But that but was an English show. Who first. was the original host of Whose Line Is Anyway? Bilal Amin. I don't know. I, I, I Wait, what that. was that? My dad, Bilal I'm joking. Am- I don't know who was... Who oh, was I thought that was another word. <laughs> Wait. Could be. No, it was... Uh, See, I'm just saying. You, you put me on the spot, but you don't I know. Am, you you know. I thought you were the, oh, I was asking. I was asking because I wanted to know. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to give you 100% on that, even though I botched up one of those games. My bad. Uh, That's so. crazy, right? I, you've actually taught me. I did not know. Yeah, so there's many a lot. Shows. I, you know, you know, I didn't even know about the Friends one until I started looking it up. So Wow. Thieves. Very cool. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> the best show ever out here. So. You know? <laughs> I started rewatching it like. Recently, like little bits and bobs. Yeah, uh, I watch reruns. I could watch that show. Bits all day. and bobs. See, bobs. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. All right, Amel. So let me just get this straight. We got Chillingtons, mm-hmm. a donut, mm-hmm. a broth. Yeah. Wagwan. That was very good. And Dan. Dan. Yeah. What's that mean? It's like, like, say, uh, uh, I spill my drink right now, but you Dan, you know, it's you can uh, just you, the word like in. you idiot. Yeah, like you do. Dan. Dan. And what, what did so you, you say? Bits take and bobs. Names. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. So I have Dan. a full new vocab. Kings will be kings. That's always good as well. When you do something great, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you just, you, just, you were great. You're like kings will be kings. And so arrogant, the next though. time, yeah. <laughs> Kings, 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 Kings. Kings will be Kings. But the thing is, we can get away with the, the humor. You've got to learn the British humor. That might be weird for me, though, because my last name is King, so people are just going to think I'm talking about my family. Kings will be Kings. Ah, uh, is your last name King? <laughs> or you're a King then? And next time you tweet something, you're going to write BT Dubs. Don't do that. I don't even know what that means. By the way, you will lose followers. You may even lose your verification if you do that. That's how bad. That means by the way. Just say Nick Purdue taught me this new Uh, word today. uh, Is it called by? Is that by the way? By the way, way, yeah. 
BT dubs. BT dubs. Just say by the way. Like, <laughs> w, not saying the whole W. All right. So before we wrap up, we just want to give you a little moment to tell us what's next and bragging rights. What can we look forward to seeing you in the near future? Uh, well, next year is um, next year is Maze Runner. Mm-hmm. That's coming out in I think September at some time. I'm also in Blackbird. Uh, in uh, it stars Gugu and Bartha Raw, and it's uh, Gina Prince Bythewood's fi- new film. And then I do not know. I've wanna, I want to get onto um, directing a couple of. I've got films that are in place to be directed. So we'll see. Great. We'll, see. well you, I'm sure we'll have some great things lining up very soon and we will be on the lookout thank you so much for joining us fun. today it's been really fun we had a really fun time learned some new words some I feel cool like my right my British accent is just going to be amazing soon uh, <laughs> tell no 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 words he's speechless tell us where we could find you on Twitter uh, online Twitter Amel Amin uh, Facebook Amel Amin and yeah that's it that's it really where can we find you, Nick? All over the internet at the Nick Purdue. And you can find me on Twitter at I am Jessica King. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Speaksack, Dario Christian, and the entire BHL staff. We would like to thank you for tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. If you have questions or comments, tweet us at BHL Online or email us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. For more exclusive content, visit blackhollywoodlive.com. This has been a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network. Hollywood Hollywood redefined. redefined. The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.